Say that to politicians, the elite, the loony liberals, the fake news media, and the gender-confused, emotional socialist snowflake crowd. Cut the crap is your secret weapon for fighting for our freedoms and our great republic. It all begins with a massive mental enema, freeing you from the toxic news and politically correct views, which constipate your consciousness with stinking thinking. Your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer. He's known for calling out politicians and telling them to cut the crap. You've seen him on virtually every television network and listened to 
to him on Coast to Coast Radio. And now he's here to help you learn to fight for America. Culture, race, and American politics, they all have one thing in common. They all need to cut the crap. Now, here's your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer. Hey there, folks. Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer here. Welcome to Cut the Crab. Crab is merely an acronym. It stands for Culture, Race, and American Politics. This time it stands for Culture, Race, and Arizona Politics. It could be Crime and RICO and Arizona Politicians. It's going to be one hell of a program. Arizona is a crime, organized crime scene, folks. Um, this is going to be a different format than what you're normally used to for my program. It's just because there's so much to share and talk through. Do me a favor, folks. Share this program right now. Lift a finger. Lift the finger against organized crime. And share this, share this, share this right now. It's very important you understand how... All of this works. And the way we fight this mess is by exposing it out in the open, folks. This is a big deal. few things. The testimony in Arizona, which you saw presented, is going to mark a new standard in history when it comes to investigation, investigating what goes on in elections, I know it has been an absolute pain. Pain trying to get this information to you. You know in many ways, those of us that work on this, our hands are hobbled, tied at different times. But this conspiracy to take us over and control us has been around forever. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret society, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. But I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. Confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. This is all about you this evening. 
all the wonderful people in Arizona. You know who you are, the people of the thousand, two thousand plus that worked in the audits. All of you that have followed this program and have spoken up about this, you are the one that deserves credit for everything we're going to be talking about this evening because without you, none of this would have happened. It's a painstaking process. It's a pain in the ass process. I can say that I'm not on the radio in this episode. But I need to set a few things in your head for the moment if I can. I need you to throw out what you've thought or what you've assumed went on. If you can keep a fairly open mind, you're going to see new connections that maybe for the first time really string it together for you. And it is all based upon a theory we have called the six P's. Here are the six P's. The paper, the people, the process, the precinct, the politicians, and the policies. Here's how I want you to think of this tonight. The paper is the ballot and the mailings, and all of the paper for running the elections, and the paper trails they invariably leave. Paper is physical evidence. Then the people. Our elections are only as good as the people who run the elections, who volunteer for the elections, and those who participate in the process. We're only as good as the process if the process is followed. That's why you audit the paper, you audit the people, you audit the process. And if you're going to do it right, you do it right down to that precinct level. They're trying to get rid of the precincts. You've got to do it down to that precinct level because we battle two bigger things. That is the very politicians that are supposed to be working for us and protect us. And the policies, you can swap that with laws, the policies by which they judge these contests. Did you notice what word I didn't use in there? I didn't use machines. I didn't use voting machines. And tonight, I'm asking you to set aside everything, period. Set aside everything. Do not get misguided by the machines. Yes, you've heard Mike Lindell say it. God bless Mike Lindell. Great American hero will be remembered in history. He says, let's take these damn machines and melt them down and make prison bars out of them. Part of my presentation tonight is to help you understand, although we'd all feel great jumping up and down with the machines gone, and in fact, they should be gone, and we should have only one day of voting, and it should be a paper ballot and hand count. I want you to understand if these things, the paper people, process, precinct, politicians, and policies are out of whack, you still will lose the elections, even when there's no machines. I need you to understand that. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to take you on a journey, recounting some of the history. I'm going to do this. There's several hours of content. We're not going to do it tonight. I'm doing them all broken up in pieces so that I may educate you 
and tie some of these dots together so you understand how dangerous, how wild, and how hard this battle is in Arizona. It's a big battle. And why they were willing to go to steps at attempted assassination and stuff. Y'all know I barely made it. Because this is more nefarious than you can imagine. It is all about the money. Every bit of this is about the money and control. Share this right now. Share it right now. Get your family and friends involved. This is going to be a wild ride. Four. Yes, four. Four things are killing America. Critical race theory, teaching our children racism is based on the color of your skin. Black Lives Matter is just a cover for introducing Marxism. The trans agenda, making our boys into girls and our girls into boys. And the illegal invasion of our borders. Four. Yep, four. Four mega companies control the big money funnel. These four companies are investing in Black Lives Matter, critical race theories, and the things that are killing America. They control 22. $22 trillion, and it's your money. If you started counting that money, one dollar at a time, every one second, starting right now, well, you'd be done in 697,615 years. That's how much power they have over us, folks. How do we save America? It's easy. Take your money back. Go to MakeWokeGoBroke.click and learn how. Take your money back. Go to MakeWokeGoBroke.click. Take your money back, folks. It's your money. Go to MakeWokeGoBroke.click and learn how to save America from socialism. Okay, a little bit of background. I am going to play testimony for you. We've taken out all of the unnecessary fat or repetition. And we put little pause breaks in between it so that I may connect the dots for you. Consider this a PhD level class. Very simple. Very, very simple. To understand how all of this works and how it connects. Since 2019, I've been, I've been a, a principal, principal investigator, investigator with, with the Harris Thaler Law Firm. Law firm. Um, we have, have been, been investigating, investigating multiple multi-state multi racketeering and corruption. Racketeering and corruption, that's the key you need to understand this evening. We'll figure out if we can get the echo fixed. But this is racketeering at its core. I want to explain to you what racketeering is as we get started here. There is a difference. There is voter fraud. Then there is election fraud. Voter fraud is like when somebody takes mama's ballot and they vote it. They get caught. That's voter fraud. Then there is election fraud. Election fraud is completely different. That means the systems, the processes, the people that are involved are the ones breaking the law. And this is what comes down to RICO, racketeering.
RICO, R-I-C-O, it's just another acronym. It stands for Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. This is the law that allows authorities to punish offenders engaging in criminal activities, particularly racketeering. For example, RICO law punished crime bosses who order subordinates to carry out criminal activities for them. Else the bosses would claim innocence because they were technically not the ones to carry out the crime. This is what you need to understand when it comes to racketeering. Everything we're going to be talking about today falls in the hopper of racketeering. Racketeering activity, just so you understand. See, RICO itself is acquiring, establishing, or operating an enterprise that is deriving or operating off illegally derived income. A politician that's rigging their office to win, to line their pockets, is illegally derived income. A politician who aids and abet crime bosses in drug smuggling, human smuggling, money laundering, is that illegally derived income. The second part of it, the little measure they do for this, is to be involved in racketeering, you must acquire or maintain, acquire or maintain an interest in or control of an enterprise through illegal activity. You must acquire an interest in or control of an enterprise through illegal activity. Do you understand how stealing election, rigging uh, rigging an election to put somebody in allows them to control the enterprise of your state? And that putting them in illegally is the crime and they're doing it so they can control the outcome of your state and your finances? That's the second part of it. Now, a lot of this has to do with the crisscrossing of things, because there's economic crimes, financial crimes. There's obstructing justice. In many ways, I believe these board of supervisors do that. Uh, There's criminal investigations for this. There's murder for hire that gets included in there. There's sexual exploitation, trafficking, sexual exploitation of, of children, you name it. And it also has to do with bribery, extortion, et cetera, drug crimes, robbery. They're robbing us. Another definition by law is called the pattern of racketeering activity. Pay attention to that definition this evening. A pattern of racketeering activity where at least two of these acts of racketeering, two of these acts, at least two, occurred within a period of 10 years, at any time within 10 years. Follow me? Then there's something in the racketeering activity. There's pattern of it. And then there's racketeering activity itself means engaging or committing or conspiring to commit or intentionally aiding, soliciting, abetting, coercing, intimidating, right? Intimidating people to do these things so they can commit it, but it's going to be felonies. So you intimidate them to do it. The pattern in this also goes into, do they have the same or similar purposes, results, participants, victims, methods of commissions? And are they somehow interrelated, but have distinguished characteristics, which in fact, what makes them not isolated incidents? You get that? 
when you put it all together and you see all the pieces which you're about to see this evening, that is where they seemingly for a bit look disconnected. But when you look closer, you see it is all a pattern of connecting it together. This is what goes on in every single state. This is what goes on in all of these six swing states which are controlling our destiny. What we've been watching is racketeering unfold. Let's continue. I will break in at each little piece because I'm going to give you a little learning element, some shorter than others, as we go through this. Let's begin. John Harris Thaler is our senior attorney, and he is in charge of this investigation. Mr. Thaler has been practicing law for 32 years. His firm specializes in investigating racketeering and corruption for both the public and the private sector, and he has participated in some of the largest investigations, both in the U.S. and abroad. What you need to understand here, this is key, somebody who's been in business for decades, and this is their specialty. Deep investigation to identify racketeering. I want you to understand, in this expert testimony, it has very little to do with theory. It has everything to do with finding absolute, documentable, irrefutable evidence, presenting hard evidence. Hard evidence that this racketeering and collusion, which is part of it, takes place. Tonight, I will be stitching together the facts for you. In 2006, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Illinois, Idaho, and Indiana investigated the laundering of drug cartel monies through a complex series of single-family home purchases in those particular states. By 2009, numerous real estate agents, escrow companies, and title insurers, insurers had been indicted, charged, and convicted of racketeering, and in 2014, our office was asked to review the case file. Real estate. We've talked about it before on my program. I want you to keep in mind two things. I have already disclosed to you before, especially here in Maricopa, that a lot of this has to do with the illegals and the illegal trafficking coming across the border. What our government does, which is abhorrent, is when these illegals come across the border by the millions and they are rounded up, aside from being handed a cash card with money on it and our government refills it every month and a mobile phone, these people are asked to sign a very simple piece of paper that says, I promise to show back up to court. You know how effective that is. But when they also sign that piece of paper under the guise of being humanitarian and equality for everybody, and we got to work for the pigmented people, 
They sign a piece of paper that says, if I go to work in the United States of America, I promise to pay taxes. Now, that's a good thing. We make them promise to pay taxes. Well, what you need to understand is when our government gets that signature from them on their paper, which they do, our government hands them a social security card. Now you understand that that illegal, speaking Spanish, goes to the Driver's License Bureau. And because we have to be kumbaya, kind and gentle, we don't want them to speak English, we'll give them the driver's test in Spanish. And in fact, if they can pass, they will get a driver's license. Now, an interesting hook in that is the Driver's License Bureau, when they issue that license and they ask for an ID, they're shown that Social Security card the driver license bureau immediately assumes they're legal. And they do not check. They do not check to see if they're legal. They assume it, and then they combine it on mobile uh, motor voter and immediately sign them a voter registration ID. Now all you need, you've got a voter card, you've got a social security card, you've got a driver's license, you're enabled to vote, well, you got to have a place to hang your hat, right? This is where the real estate plays an important part in this. The reason for this was whether we should, was was we were asked to determine whether monies from the sale of the properties had filtered to properties purchased in Arizona, specifically in the Maricopa and Pima County. We concluded that several real estate agents convicted in Iowa had set up laundering systems in Arizona and thereafter had transferred the proceeds of sales to the Panamanian corporations. In 2018, Mr. Thaler discovered, incidental to a completely independent matter, a series of trust deeds evidencing that cash laundered through single-family residences in Arizona was pervasive and ongoing. With that, a new investigation began, with the focus being on money laundered and related racketeering activities in Maricopa County, and as, as well as in several other Arizona counties. Now you've heard, this is... First, aside from a smuggling operation, it's a real estate transaction. A real estate, and you're right, our own taxes are funding our demise. Now, is there any logical, any logical reason why a real estate agent in Iowa, of all places, would also be doing real estate in Arizona? Not really, not at all. It's very rare. The reason is, just like in voting, when you find a piercing event, meaning that you can squeak by on the system, it's replicated. And so all across our beautiful republic, there is an entire racket of laundering money by buying, renting, selling, leasing houses because it's through the exchange of those properties 
that big money is laundered. It's kind of like, think about having a big house nobody lives in, but evidently somebody's paying you $20,000 a month rent to live there. For you as the landlord, it just looks like you're taking in rent. But there's actually nobody there. And while, while you're at it, you actually kind of funnel your illegals, your sex trafficking, your child trafficking, all through it. This is why we're going to connect the dots. I'm going to show you some numbers. We're going to keep at it. The investigation originally focused on fake notarizations, fake deeds of trust, fraudulent buyers and or sellers of the real property transactions, as well as other companies used in real estate transactions, such as real estate brokers, mortgage companies, title and escrow companies, real estate inspection companies, service companies, and so on. Over 120,000 documents have been reviewed to date. These documents have definitely evidenced multiple racketeering enterprises, which include narcotic sales, money laundering, tax evasion, payroll theft, bankruptcy fraud, life insurance fraud, auto insurance fraud, bribing of elected and appointed officials, We've shared this with you before, but I'm going to give you a, a new reminder, uh, especially to those that are new to my program. Normally, I am a FM radio program, doing my radio program, usual commercials and stuff. Tonight's a little bit different. Uh, Robert, you're exactly right. Robert says, this is what Hunter did for Daddy Joe. Interesting, isn't it? You're getting the hang of it. This is a normal money laundering operation. Now, I want you to understand, we exposed this in major cities. This was to the fantastic work of Bobby Python. When Bobby Python identified how these ghost voters were made, also during that was able to tell that these people were actually getting COVID checks, unemployment checks, etc. Imagine one politician in a town that has helped create a thousand, right, fake people, places, addresses, etc. But because they use the system, all of a sudden those fake people are all getting, say, $2,000 a month in unemployment, but they were never there to begin with. But those checks are still getting cashed. I'm connecting this for you so you understand how deep this is. Because once you have somebody on the books, it's not just about voting. It gives them, you're right, you are the smartest patriots in the room, like Kevin said. It gives you an address. It gives you a fake ID to exploit. And that's why you can see some of your politicians you thought were great will approve these ridiculous trillion dollar spending bills because the money's going back to the politicians because there was nobody there. You saw all of the types of professions that can be involved. Those are all the steps of creating a functioning live participant in society that supposedly has a home and stuff, but nobody's there and they're all 
laughing all the way to the bank. Creating and modifying public record. Falsifying professional licenses and related credentials. And last but not least, election fraud. Now, all of the steps, water bills, electric bills, phone bills, sometimes they don't bother going through that. But you can see very quickly that when you have an organization behind it and you can falsify the documents, you can create on paper what looks like a real human being. They're not. They're a tradable, fungible asset. And all of a sudden, there's this thriving, huge economy ripping every one of us off. This has gone on for decades, and that's why it's so hard to eradicate. And that's why I'm telling you right now, we better focus on the six P's because getting rid of the machines won't do it. You can get rid of the machines tomorrow and go to paper and hand count them. They will still do it because why? They have the people, the process, and the precincts rigged, and the politicians and policies, laws that rule it, don't get it cleaned up. This program is going to help you understand how deep it goes and why all of this. What you're hearing today, what you heard in this testimony, is the forensic trail of the paper to create the seventh P. You use those six P's against themselves to create the seventh P, and that's proof. I'm going to share with you that which we've uncovered, how we uncovered it, and the conclusions drawn therefrom. I'll also share with you how the racketeering enterprises inextricably are intertwined with election fraud. In pages 11 to 14 show you those, detail those 47 findings that we have in our report. I am going to just mention a few of those that are very pertinent to this committee. As I mentioned, beginning in Illinois, Idaho, and Iowa, in the early 80s, cash earned or otherwise collected in the sale of illegal narcotics and human tra trafficking activities conducted by the Sinaloan cartel had been laundered through the purchase of single-family residences. Laundering of this cartel money in Arizona through purchase and sale of the single-family residence began in and about 1994 and focused on new construction, particularly in Santan Valley, Litchfield Park, Goodyear, and Avondale. Pay attention to those areas. I'm going to show you some stats. I'm going to show you how this works. This is our forensic work on the side to help stitch all this stuff together. First, we're going to talk about the cartel. She mentioned the Sinaloa cartel. And looking at my screen, those of you that can see my screen, that highlighted area is the operational zones they call it the Golden Triangle, 
of the Sinaloa cartel. The Sinaloa cartel, it's also called the Guzman Zambada organization. Uh, it's also called the Federation or the Blood Alliance or the Pacific Cartel, is said to be the largest organized crime syndicate still left. It was established in Mexico's in the 80s. It is primarily drug trafficking and money laundering. It works all over the place. Um, it eventually became even more influential than the ones you know about, like Pablo Escobar's Medellin cartel. This is experienced incredible growth, El Chapo. You've heard El Chapo Joaquin, El Chapo Guzman. This is a cartel that brings in stuff from all around the world. They have narco submarines, boats, ships, trains, helicopters, cargo planes. They currently, especially during El Chapo, controlled 91% of the drug trafficking. 91% of the drug trafficking. That's why I say the Arizona crime is organized crime. I've told you this before. As we've been going through this for over two years, I've told you, Arizona is the tip of the spear because it's everything. And I've told you it always has to do with the money, the cartels, the drug trafficking, human trafficking, etc. It is all tied together. And that is why this is an organized crime enterprise. They controlled 91% of the heroin. They deal in cocaine, heroin, metaphetamine. Metamphetamine. I'm screwing that one up. Metamphetamines. Boy, I can't get that one out tonight. Fentanyl, cannabis, other stuff. Now they've also moved into fentanyl. They are the epicenter for fentanyl trafficking. And they've moved into children trafficking, child trafficking, human trafficking, etc. This is a massive massive, massive enterprise and they have direct relationships to synthesize fentanyls from its analogs which they bring in from China. It's something they make for a buck and get 10 times as much on the wholesale out there. They deal with it in the tons and tons and tons of trade. And if you understand your geography in the United States, you understand Arizona is ground zero. It is ground zero for people coming across the border. It is ground zero for this drug trafficking super highway. And you know that cartels are dangerous. You know that cartels will kill to maintain their enterprises. It is part of why fighting this fight in Arizona is so dangerous and so hard is because so many people have been compromised. And once you're compromised by the cartel, you don't, you don't walk away.
Cartel monies mostly came from illicit narcotic sales, which include crystal meth, <coughs> meth, cocaine, heroin, and fentanyl, as well as human trafficking. In addition to purchase and sales of single-family residents, cash is laundered through inflated and falsified construction invoices, falsified charitable donations, tuitions paid on fake students allegedly, attempting private, allegedly attending private trade schools, and falsified bankruptcies. Wells Fargo bank bankers in Arizona and in multiple additional states have engaged in opening, checking, and direct deposit accounts for, fraud, for, for um, phantom people. Resources, including city government officials and agencies in Mesa, Arizona has also been integral in the laundering activities. Banks involved? It's nothing for them to pay a bank teller or a bank officer to look the other way. A few hundred bucks. We just need to open this account. Look, it's going to look like you have a bunch of uh, new accounts opening. Your bank's going to look good. You're going to make your bonuses. It is in every sense of the process a massive illegal enterprise infiltrating everything. You would think, who would ever heard of a phony mortgage company? Well, when you go through setting it up and you're giving loans, you're not really disclosing the banks. They just assume you're working with the normal banks. No, you're handing your money out to your people, putting it into that home. This is how the money is laundered. I'm going to show you some of the evidence that you need to see when it comes down to an individual area. You heard her mention Goodyear. I only use this as an example, but I want you to understand the scope of how many of these fake IDs are out there. Because when you realize you have 750, 748 precincts in Arizona, used to be over 1,000, you can get very quickly into vast amount of numbers that you can swing any election you want and you can put any bad operative you want into office. Let me show you some numbers about how this is. You're looking at one of our PCAD reports. PCAD only stands for Pulitzer Kinematic Artifact Detection. You have to look at everything. And when you look at the paperwork and you look at the voter registration analysis by district, I'm showing you the, the Goodyear area alone. The Goodyear area has 18 voting precincts. In these 18 voting precincts, the split of how everything is split up is 36% Republican, 28% Democrat, 1% Libertarian, and 34% Party Not Determined. That's where a lot of the hide-and-seek is played. But I will also show you the two most risk areas involved with these people. Just in these 18 precincts, 
They have 6,689, that's 11.74% of the people on the list, that are just languishing there, that have been there forever, sometimes as much as 12 years, and they only pull them and reactivate them when they need to swing an election. You're looking at the fungibility. They've got 2,046 extra Republicans there, 1,860 extra Democrats there, 83 Libertarians and 2,700 party not determined. However, if you drop down, if you drop down, I'm not even talking about the inactive. If you just drop down and you look at what's called the people, the permanent early voter list. 81% of the people that are supposedly on these voter rolls are permanently, permanently on the early voter roll, which means they will get a ballot automatically. They're going to get a ballot no matter what. Most of them can't be verified. And if you know where to collect these envelopes, which we'll talk about. If you know where to collect up these envelopes in these pebbles, once again, in these ballot trafficking operations, you can swing any election. Let's look at some other numbers. This is the one precinct called Goodyear. I'm still just keying in on the Goodyear. I want to show you how to look at just this one This is one singular precinct of 748. Do you remember when she said they've been doing this for decades? Well, let me tell you how to read read across the top here. In this one precinct, which only has about 2,160 voting assets. That's an image to your left, 2160. At the top, this particular precinct is 67.4% minority. In our forensics, we measure it down to minorities so we can understand the minority impact. You saw Seth's work. Seth uh, tagged this as a K2. This is Bobby Python's work. This is very important. You see the number 224? In this one precinct of 2160, there is over 10% of these people which are not real. 10.37% of these people are not real. If, you, if every one of them voted in the last, last election, that means 18.14% of the votes came from phantoms. They've been using this to their advantage. You see the trends. Once Obama got in, they flipped it, and it stayed dim every since. Now, if you drop down into the lines, if you're looking at the black boxes, The voting assets, they have 2,160 people on the books, but that does not mean they're active. The people that are really active are only 1,655. And remember, out of 1,655, 18% of them are fake. However, in 2020, to push the selected, not elected Biden over the top, they reached back into these inactive assets and they reactivated just in this one precinct 170 voters that hadn't voted. Now, why is that even important? Jump over two boxes. See where it says inactive? They still have a 15.51% fungibility on the books. That means even if they activated every single 
fake voter at 18%, they still have 15.51% of these voters in reserve. They can pull these triggers at any time. Now I'm going to show you how do you catch them. Other political operatives out there that called themselves conservatives basically mocked our team for even doing this work, saying it's stupidest stuff. You could find it, right? You can find it anywhere. No, you have to do the analytics so you know what happens. They try to push you away from this, folks. We're talking about the paper. Now you understand why they fought the paper so hard. Let me show you how you understand when they're literally doing it from a criminal enterprise. Now, you know they're supposed to clean the voter rolls, right? In Maricopa, when somebody dies and the coroner, right? Right there next to the county recorder, they don't report it to the county recorder. They expect the family to do it. I don't know about you, but when your loved one's passed, you think, damn, I got to go take them off the voter roll? No, you don't. And they leave them there because they turned them into assets. But they use them really quick. They want to be very careful not to get caught. They've got to have this huge fungibility. I just showed you this fungibility. Fungibility means you can hot swap. That's all that means. It's like changing a silver for gold. It's permanent cheating in every election. They got to have it there. They cannot afford to waste their backup at any one time because if they get caught and are forced to clean them, which they fight to do, then they're out of business cheating. So they really work them up. How do we catch them? Let me show you. They're supposed to clean the books every time. In a forensic investigation, which is what we did, and you look at Maricopa, we look at three-month growth leading into the 2020 election. The last two months right before the 2020 election, because there's a spurt of growth. You look at their average growth. You look at their average activation. And then you look at how many they purged. I'm over to the right where it goes red. Well, they were purging a 0.22%. That was their average purge. However... And all of those months leading up, they purged 20 whopping people. 20 whopping people. They want you to believe out of 2,100 people that, yeah, maybe 20 moved away or died or combination. You follow what I'm saying? It's about keeping them on the books. But when you learn how to read it, the most important number is where you see that red fingerprint. As soon as the election was over, they start scrubbing the books because they have to get them off the rolls fast or you'll find them because technically they disappear. Their scrubbing increased 1,115% starting the day after the election. They know they're going to get caught, but you have to understand where these numbers are. When you understand in 2020, the margin of the election was only 0.509%. I want to point something out to you. If I just look at this one little thing of Goodyear, the margin in 2020, kind of the same in Kerry Lakes and Katie Hobbs margin, just 0.509%. That's half a point. Look at the left. The left 
for some reason in this precinct, there were people that voted. Now, I've already told you, they want to keep every damn voter on the books they can. Do you understand what I'm saying? They want to keep them on the books. The problem is, when they have to inflate them really quick, they got to get rid of them really quick. And so you look over here at eight people, just in this one little precinct, eight people voted, but once they voted, the moment they voted in the 2020 election, they immediately then scrubbed them from the voter rolls. That percentage is 0.649%. It's flat because it's greater than the margin of the election. There were four people in there that their names, we couldn't even find a phone number, a street address, a cable bill, anything with these people's names. The communist known as Shiva tried to explain it away, but frankly, it's all crime. It's organized crime. And this is how they scrub the books. Folks, this is forensics because you have to understand where it moves. Now, the reason I'm showing you this is because you're now hearing how they front load them. We know they're there. We know they use them to vote. But what you're watching here is the breakthrough of how how to find them. I'm going to take a quick break so I can get a drink of water. I want to let you know. And I'm going to tell you a story when I come back about me having dinner with Alan Dershowitz years ago during the OJ trial. And he told me at that time that the OJ trial will be the most important thing to ever happen in policing and forensics. I thought he was full of shit. I didn't get it until years later. I'll tell you that story when I come back. Hang tight. Hang tight. Jovan will be right back. Welcome to the My Pillow 2.0 commercial. Miss Makeup. Well, you look good. And action. You're sleeping even better. We've got the best pillow ever. My Pillow 2.0. He's a great name for a brother. Cut. We got it. Welcome to the set of the My Pillow 2.0, the most amazing pillow in history. That new technology is still the My Pillow's patented fill, and now we have new technology we didn't have back when I invented My Pillow that's going to help you sleep. It's absolutely amazing, and you're the first ones that can check it out. Go to mypillow.com, use the promo code on your screen, and we brought back the buy one get one free. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Javon empowers the people, and corrupt politicians do not want the people knowing the truth. Now, let's get back to it. I'm back. We're talking about Arizona as a crime. Yes, an organized crime scene. I'm showing you testimony, and I'm trying to impress upon you. Focus on the six Ps. The paper 
That's all the documentation and the ballots, everything, the mailing, the people that run the elections, meaning the people that are even currying these things back. The process that's used, get it down to the precinct. You see how that's key. I'm showing you that. So why? So we can correct the politicians and policies involved and get that final seventh P, which is proof. So I'm breaking these down for you to show you. Because before, what you've watched is an epic moment in the fact of all of this work, which has taken a tremendous amount of talent and people. Thank God for the bravery and cojones of Liz Harris in Arizona. But it takes a lot of people to get this done. Everybody works cross-blends together. There is no one way to do it. And by the way, even if you kick the damn machines to the curb, if you don't deal with the peas, we're going to continue just to get pissed on. That's the truth. Let's get back. Since 2010, money laundering has exceeded $7.5 billion. In Arizona, laundered cash is used in part to bribe elected and appointed public officials and their support staff. To date, more than 10,000 falsified documents have been recorded with the Maricopa County Recorder's Office. We estimate that more than 35,000 warranty deeds and trust deeds evidencing fraudulent transactions exist in the database. The number of falsified notarizations exceeds over 15,000. The city of Mesa is a racketeering organization, as that term is defined in 18 U.S.C. section 1961. To protect the enterprise, civil rights are systematically and, and systematically and systemically violated to preserve racketeering activities. Fines and outrageous cash bonds are used to collect monies which are then skimmed and redirected into the racketeering enterprises. The City of Mesa Police Department operates within it a private police department that is used to support and protect racketeering enterprises. Officers participating in this force are compensated with monies paid through the phony mortgage schemes and other related schemes. Officers operating within this private force systemically violate our Fourth Amendment rights by breaking and entering into private properties, wiretapping, computer hacking, cell phone hacking, and by using relative related surveillance techniques without warrant. Officers also plant evidence and hide exculpatory evidence. You're hearing various connective tissues. You're about to hear even more. But you now understand why in Maricopa, uniquely very heavy-handed, that there's an issue with the police, especially the sheriff not doing anything, or the sheriff saying there's no such thing as election and fraud, it doesn't exist, and not cooperating with the investigation. It's because in that unique triangulation that is Arizona, 
it's not just about the politicians and the money. It is drug money, drug cartels, human smuggling. It's it's multi, multi, tens of billions of dollars in illicit goods that depends on both the police and the politicians looking the other way. However, what the deep state and liberals have learned that if you can get these illegals across the border, you can ship them to red states and you can duplicate this process, which is why you have traditional red states going blue. I believe California's red. Why is it blue? Is because its state kisses part of the golden triangle, and there's enough pumped into California to make sure with all the money and everything going on that the drug, the human smuggling, trafficking, and all doesn't get shut down. And they do it by buying off the politicians. And this is why, as hard as we've worked to expose these voter rolls, and you have your board of supervisors saying, no, that's a real address. Well, I've told you, folks, do not send a stupid-ass spreadsheet into your county recorder and expect them to clean the books. You either do it with empirical evidence and use the law on your side, or you're wasting your time. This is why you can walk all over you want with canvassing, but canvassing still has to go through the court. What we have to do is to dive into every single person every single address, every single voter in the United States of America. And that means manually cleaning 168.9 million records if we're going to fix this. Multiple state agency databases have been infiltrated or hacked, thus allowing falsified documents to be uploaded into into them and allowing legitimate documents to be removed. For example, the database for the University of Arizona, Arizona State, and Northern Arizona have been infiltrated and hacked. It permits individuals to be given degrees who never attended or graduated from these schools and allows phantom individuals to be awarded degrees, thus lending legitimacy to their existence. I like this one particularly. You heard that the University of Arizona databases and county databases have all been hacked. You'll hear more. And they're able to insert people in, insert people out. Bobby Python also exposed this and told you some of these scholarships and monies they're giving to students are students that don't exist. And when they grant that $50,000 scholarship, it's going into people's pockets for favors, not to a student because the students are fake. And they're inflating their numbers because they get more money for the government. One of the things I laugh about when I do this, because we've all known it from the inside, how bad the operatives are getting down on this. But Ken Bennett in Arizona, who you'll see a freak out by him here shortly, and Randy Pullen, they brought in communist Shiva to look at things. And one of the things that Shiva did to poop all over Bobby Python's work is said, look, you've got this wrong. These thousand plus votes you said came from here from the University of 
Arizona. Those aren't true. Those are just students going back home. No, they're not. They're totally fake students. Totally fake students. Who are placed there on campus. The schools are given money to place them there. They're bought off to say they're really a student. And they're used to help swing elections. They were never real to begin with. You can't even verify them properly on the books by finding a human. And this is all part of the investigation, and thank God for this part of the investigation, verifying it beyond a shadow of a doubt that this occurs. It's no longer theory. It's absolute proof. But more importantly, I find it really interesting. When you look at some of the names I'm going to show you in a wall uh, of the compromised election officials who have been benefiting from this, some of the houses and deed stuff, You'll see some of the names there, Katie Hobbs, Adrian Fontes, your new Secretary of State. I'll go over this in a little bit detail, but these are judges, people, police, Maricopa County supervisors. There's three of them right there, all benefiting from this deed racket, laundering money. What I find really interesting is a lot of these officials have also uh, an amazing graduation rate from the University of Arizona. And as you've just heard, they can go in and give them degrees as if they went there. There's a lot more going to be added to this list, but I wonder how many of those degrees have been bought off by the cartel to make people look good, to get some of these people placed inside local government. Further, state licensing databases have been infiltrated and hacked to permit individuals with fake degrees to permit phantom individuals to have state licenses issued. And these licenses, like accounting, real estate, mental health care, even law licenses, um, we have seen phantom attorneys registered with the state bar. The Maricopa County database for the recorder's office and for the Superior Court were designed in 2014. They were set up for outside infiltration so that falsified documents could be uploaded or <coughs> legitimate documents removed. We shared this with you. When I had my meetings with the dude that was chucking around all the time, Bernabich, AG, Arizona, and we're sharing with him dead voters absolutely on the list. It was like fighting with them. They would laugh at it. And they would say people can have the same exact name, be born on the same exact day of the month, in the same exact month, in the same exact year, and live in the same damn city. And then when you call out the inconsistency, so, so look, look, they well, they have a different middle initial. Pay attention going forward to this middle initial gag. Many people inside the government have just ignored this. A lot of it's just being lazy. I think a good stick of it is bribes. Turn the other way. But you have just heard this has been confirmed. By the way, everything that's being presented 
has been documented. The reason this information is had is because one of these perpetrating individuals was caught, and that perpetrating individual, in exchange for being put in witness protection, gave up the cookies. All of this has not only been documented, all of this has been recorded and videotaped to show these incursions into the Board of Supervisors, into the voting database, into the county recorder's database and everything. It's important for you to understand that this is not theory. This is not theory. These are absolute facts. Since 2015, hundreds upon hundreds of falsified court documents have been loaded into the database. These documents include falsified default judgments, criminal restitution orders, child support orders, all of these used in swatting activities against individuals posing a threat to the racketeering activities. Since 2004, elections within Pima County and Maricopa County have been manipulated through the infiltration of the county databases, resulting from bribes paid to executives at election service providers, including, but not limited to, principals that run back election services. Yes, you heard it. Runback, of course, is the printer of the ballots in Maricopa. We broke the story that even before our nation was in lockdown, that Runback, months and months and months and months and months before all the pandemic stuff, somehow managed to order the single largest order in history of machines to be uh, presented. And, and I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Your typical idiots out there who, you know, probably just look like a racer head fucking idiots kind of somehow confuse a program with a courthouse. But one of the things that was presented, if you were paying attention and not just an idiot, you would understand that the purchase orders were actually coughed up. Ten of these advanced envelope stuffing machines were bought. Even before it was ever known in the country, it was going to be primarily a mail-in ballot. Maricopa still hasn't answered why there's 2.5 million supposed voters in Maricopa County, but yet they printed for Maricopa County in 2020 Four million eighty-nine thousand ballots. I want to remind you that the Maricopa County Supervisors, the Democrat Party, the Republican Party, and Runback told Runback not to cooperate with the investigation. Runback has turned over nothing. She's talking about Runback bribes. You're looking at a list here talking about uh, doing multiple exchanges, which you'll hear more of laundering money through real estate transactions to buy people off to the tune of the millions. I'll draw your attention to the number two and number three position on this part of the document. Robert Runbeck, president of Runbeck, Jeff Ellington, 
CEO of Runback. Right below him is Bill Gates, the Maricopa supervisor. This is Bill Gates. Look, Thomas Galvin, Clint Hickman. Remember Hickman? He's the guy that had the big chicken barbecue. All of these people have been implicated in these documents. The new Arizona Secretary of State, who was the former county recorder. This is him, Adrian Fontes. He's on that list, too, in these transactions. But luckily, he got beat by a Republican. Yep, little Richie Richter. He's there. He's the one that said all of this was crap. So now Runbeck swearing nothing was wrong. Runbeck not signing the proper documents, having all of these issues. They all said it was poo-poo, but yet in this investigation, here's the documents of how the transactions are taking place. And it's only a fraction of the documents. There's much more and many more to come. This is like a little aperitif. It's deep, folks. It's really deep. In addition to impacting local elections, bribes and infiltration were used to affect the outcome of the races during the November 3rd, 2020 election, including the outcome of the race for Maricopa County Recorder. That Maricopa County Recorder in 2020 that won, that was all of a sudden in charge of the elections, This is the guy who was there who set it up. This is the guy who took over. This is the guy who stood in the way with this guy. All this time, swearing it was perfect, it was wonderful, there was nothing wrong. All of them were groomed for their positions. And the outcome of the November 8th, 2022 election Race for Governor, Secretary of State, and Attorney General. Public officials who have received bribes include multi-state office holders, State House and State Senate, local office holders, county supervisors, judges in the Maricopa Supreme Court, judges of some city courts, including two presiding judges, judges' assistants, prosecutors within certain cities within Maricopa County, prosecutors for Maricopa County, Peripheral legal specialists, including attorneys, approved mental health care providers, as in court-appointed advisors and related specialists. In the Superior Court of Maricopa County and Pinal County and Pima County, at least 25% of the active judges have accepted bribes in exchange for protecting the racketeering activities. Bribe payments generally begin before the individual is even appointed to the bench. Bribes are usually paid as an incentive for the attorney to leave their private practice. By way of example, Mesa City City Prosecutor's Office routinely files charges and convicts innocent individuals who knowingly or unwittingly pose a threat to the racketeering enterprise. With respect to judges in the Mesa City Court, 
Judge Tetz, Judge Alicia Lawler, presided over these in invented cases filed by the city prosecutor, falsely convicting and sentencing the defendant. You might recognize that play out of the playbook. They're currently using it in Colorado against Tita Peters, who did her job, did what was within her right, and exposed it. But the criminal enterprise is now trying to prosecute her as a criminal on bogus charges. This is the threat, the intimidation, the coercion. Remember the definition of RICO? It requires that element of threat, intimidation, and coercion. That is why every bit of this is a criminal enterprise. And that is why you're not even hearing anything about the machines yet, folks. Because if we don't fix the six Ps, we're doomed. We can wipe the machines out tomorrow. It will not fix this problem to the point we need it fixed. In 2018, Mr. Thaler found trust deeds recorded with the Maricopa County Recorder Office, evidencing money laundering and tax evasion. These documents, as I mentioned, were prepared by both Brittany and Donna Chavitz. Both of them are connected to the real estate agent suspected of setting up the home purchasing laundering systems in Arizona <clears throat> the, um, their principal employer was and is the Sinaloan cartel. Today we know that their participation in the creation of documents necessary for the criminal enterprise runs more than 25 years and includes facilitating bribes to public officials. The discovery of the falsified deeds led to the discovery of additional racketeering enterprises including, but not limited to, as I've mentioned, insurance fraud, payroll fraud, and bankruptcy fraud. It also led to the discovery of the extortion schemes I've already mentioned. Maricopa County Recorder's Office has at least five appointments made by Adrian Fontes, our county recorder, from 2017 to 2021, who are phantoms, non-existent individuals. These phantom individuals hold positions related to election services. Did you catch that? Everything, one of the things I've told you, and one of the reasons the chicken shit politicians, did I say that? I'm sorry. I must have been speaking my mind. Okay, the chicken shit politicians in Arizona. One of the things they do is they make sure that they officially don't take meetings, don't respond to emails, because they need culpable deniability. What you've just heard is Adrian Fontes, who was the Maricopa County recorder handling elections before little Ricky Richter took over. Well, he actually appointed five phantoms to serve as his election people and coordinators. He took the meetings... He assigned them, assigned companies, paid companies, but nothing was there. But look at all the people we have working in our elections. Look at these people. They do all the auditing. It's very easy. We had our outside auditors look at it, whatever, and then you start to find out that, did you catch earlier that they can award 
degrees, licenses, certificates to accountants, attorneys, auditors, and etc. Did you catch all of that? Further during the same period, the office has at least 15 individuals whose appointments were falsified and thereafter kept hidden from the public during the 2020 election cycle. The appointment documents for all of the above individuals have forged signatures, falsified clerical signatures, which means that the tracings from, the, from a signature stamp and fake dates. These falsified notarizations were made by Brittany. Said falsified clerical signature and date were made by Donna Chabots. I'll be sharing examples of this in a few minutes. In November 2019, Brittany approached Mr. Thaler and his colleague, attorney John J. Stanley, with a request that they obtain for her WITSEC protection. However, prior to obtaining approval, Brittany was threatened in such a manner that she broke off direct communications with our office. She has continued to surreptitiously provide evidence concerning these criminal activities. In October 2020, shortly before the November 3rd election, Thaler was provided certain information. First was evidence that the Maricopa County computer database had been designed with various backdoor, allowing us outsiders to infiltrate it and to change <clears throat> the data. Nobody has access to our systems. We're safe and secure. This was the most secure election ever. Folks, the reason I'm breaking this down, there's seven hours out there. This, you, you are literally only getting commentary on about 32 minutes of it. And I'm going to break every one of these down. Because you need to understand how deep this is. The systems, and I have always told you, it's the first thing that the Arizona Attorney General's office asked me. This would take thousands and thousands of people to do. And I said, no, I could do it with five people. And you can do it with, without the very people who are trying to run great elections there, who swear it's perfect. You can do it right under their noses, folks. Unfortunately, that's how porous and how broken our systems are, which is why we have to burn it all down. Second was the identities of bribed recipients, which included elected officials. And third, on October 26, 2020, Thaler's team discovered approximately 25,000 falsified ballots being held in a, and with a significant sum of cash in a private residence in Mesa rented to, Don, to Donna Chabot. We don't have fake ballots. We don't have filled out ballots. We don't have people running and dropping off ballots. No, that doesn't happen. There's no such thing as a counterfeit ballot. Let's take a look at that. This is our forensic work. I'm going to show you a quick breakdown of what it looks like when you look at just one of these districts. This is the Maricopa voting 
area. It has five supervisory districts. We're going to look at supervisory district one. That's the heart of the beast. Zoom it up for you here. All of these little squares and colors. These are all voting precincts. When you look at the precincts and you try to look at how bad this was election in 2020 was run, I'll give you a little bit. In this precinct, District 1, 439,484 ballots were processed. 439,484 ballots were processed. Out of 439,484, only 183,330 of them were actually to spec right there in that green square. Yes, almost a half a million ballots, but only 183,330 of them was actually to the spec by law. As a matter of fact, these things were so egregiously out of calibration. Think, oh, we can't read it, slot three. See, in 2020, they just made it not read. But in 2022, they had to do it a little bit different, so they made it kick it out, and we'll put it in box number three. Out of 439,484, 73,008 of them were not even legally compliant and were not even the same ballot according to the 14th Amendment. That's how bad the ballot printing was. These guys knew how bad it was. They knew what was going on. The very people, some of the people that even held this hearing, sitting there smugly, thumping their chest, telling you, I'm all for election integrity, still won't pay attention to this evidence because they're cowards, and we showed them this, and they could have fixed it, but they did nothing. Let's go ahead and look at the folds. Many of you heard about me in these folds for the first time. Just so you know, this is how we track folds. You don't need to know a lot other than there should be 90.5% machine-folded ballots, 1.33% no-fold ballots. This is the District 1, those 439,484 ballots. Did they hit 90% for machine-fold? Hell no, it was only 76.24%. The no-folds, which are the flat ones for election day or duplicated ones, they shouldn't exceed 1.33%, but they were 12.42%. That's all the extra ballot stuffing there, folks. Flat ballots they couldn't account for. And even for election votes where you walked in early, printed a ballot, it was reprinted, and then you folded yourself, that was 9.64%. None of the numbers match. And when you see this no-fold being 12%, here's another way we catch it. 439,484. They tried to tell us, folks, that in the whole election for all of Arizona in Maricopa, there were only 20-some-odd thousand duplicated ballots, but just in this one freaking precinct, because we're tracking them by the color-coding tracking in it, you can see just in this one precinct, there were 87,851 duplicate ballots. That means they were replaced, duplicated and replaced and jacked into the system. 
when we look at the bleed-throughs, they said, oh, the bleed-throughs didn't do anything. Well, in this one precinct, out of those 439,484 ballots, they had an extra 556,849 votes on them. Yes, 439,484 ballots had an extra 556,849 votes. Just so you know, the worst ballot had 3,800% more ovals on it voted than there are ovals to vote. This one thing alone forced, you remember adjudication was 14%. Just this one act alone of all the extra ovals where adjudication naturally should have been 2-3%, it forced 5.21% of every one of these ballots to be forcefully adjudicated. Oh, yeah. Those counterfeit ballots she's talking about, here's how they distributed them. You can see the numbers. These are the precincts. I'm not showing you all the pages. There's more precincts. But they were all kind of equally distributed amongst the precincts. This one legislative district used 2,172 of them. By the way, there's five of these supervisory districts, and all of them had about the same number, ironically, of counterfeit ballots that they infiltrated in. The numbers don't lie. We caught it long ago. This is why they never wanted to focus on the paper, but it took the rest of the investigation to actually now connect how they do it to create the persona the illegal ghost person, the way they do it, this is it it's a nightmare folks let's continue the investigation into election fraud is not limited to the state of Arizona However, where Arizona is concerned, a plethora of individuals are implicated in the fraud, including elected and appointed officials, and as I've already mentioned, Runbeck Election Services, the service provider to Maricopa County. The Maricopa County database has absolutely no integrity whatsoever. Let me explain. I chose to, to, invest, to share with you my investigation of Katie Hobbs by way of example. But for purposes of this exercise, I could have pretty much selected any of those individuals that are listed on your in your packets on page 70. When our investigation leads to a name of a particular individual that we suspect to be involved in this racketeering activity, in, the, in these racketeering activities, we, re we research their deeds of trust, which are recorded with the Maricopa County Recorder's Office and publicly available. If there is an unusual amount of deeds of trust for that individual, and if there are deeds of trust for the same or similar named individual, or with multiple varying middle initials. What did she say? The same names, but with 
just different middle initials? And they've documented this in 120,000 times. Wait, wait, wait. You mean they have the same name and all this other stuff? They just mucked with the middle initial? But Bernovich's AG team told me, well, that's a different person. How do you know this is the same person? We dig further. In the case of Caitlin Hobbs, please look at page 17 through 50 in your packet. I have shared with you 11 deeds of trust in the name of Kathleen M. Hobbs and Patrick T. Goodman. However, when we looked at the deeds in your packet on page 51 to 64, these have similar names, but we've discovered that they too were compromised. In some cases, we review deeds of trust filed under a spouse or a child or parent or business partner, just depending on the specific circumstances. When the writings match that of Brittany and Donna, we can determine that the no and when, when we can determine that the notarization is fraudulent and or the buyer and or the seller signatures are fake, we know the deed is fraudulent. If you look at the deeds for Kathleen M. Hobbs and Patrick D. Goodman, I have provided you with the first signed pages of the deeds, and on page 65 is a comparison of just the signatures. Okay, the pages with some red writing on them for the buyers of each deed. This page will speak for itself. There's obviously some inconsistencies with the signatures for Kathleen and for Patrick. This is apparent to anyone with any naked eye, but we have verified all our findings with a qualified forensic document expert who represents the state of California. Now, let's look at the notaries who signed these deeds. Again, I provided you with a page of all the notary signatures on page 66. Next to this, I provided you with references to pages from our reports that we have from our qualified forensic document expert, where similar writings have been verified as either being that of Brittany or Donna. The only other option is in some situations, there are graphics or traces of other signatures where we can verify that an imposter has attempted to copy an original signature. How this was broken so you understand when she uses the names like Brittany and stuff, it's a mother and daughter team that was doing this for the Sinaloa cartel. The daughter not wanting to be involved in the illegal activity anymore came in, turned evidence for witness protection. What they're talking about is they can prove in all these documents for these elected officials, I'll let you peruse some of the names. This is only a small part of them. There are more. You can see Katie Hobbs towards the bottom. When she says Kathleen, and she mentioned the other fellow, that's Katie Hobbs' husband. They go by different names. All of these people on these lists, you see their designation. You see their office that they serve. All of these people. There's your Maricopa County supervisors have 
these transactions done in their name in the form of real estate deed transactions laundering money. This is not hypothetical. This is not opinion or theory. This is absolute fact. Exposed by the very people that did it for the cartel. You probably watch some of the people on the board as this was being presented fidget and freak out. I can tell you why they fidgeted and freaked out. There's more to come. You'll see other familiar names on this list. This was a major breakthrough in how a portion of the money laundering is done. How they hide it as real estate holdings and transactions. They're able to compare the signatures just like I showed you in signatures in Maricopa. They didn't sign a chain of custody. But when you look at the government employees, the people working the election signatures, we can actually find them on ballots for voters. But yet it's city employees or contractors serving the elections. You can also find the Chavez name as one of the signers in a lot of these chain of custody documents in 2020. This is a significant criminal. To summarize our findings with regards to Governor Katie Hobbs, taking into account just those documents in her name are as follows. There are nine deeds of trust in the name of Kathleen M. Hobbs and Patrick T. Goodman husband and wife, from 1997 to 2021, which essentially means that they either purchased or refinanced a home every two to three years, which is not most, not statistically, statistically not likely, not improbable, but even more so when six of the nine deeds of trust were recorded within the 10-year period between 97 and 2007, the concentration of which is between 2001 and 2005, which was during Ms. Hobbs' tenure at Emerge Arizona. When researching the documents filed with the Corporation Commission for Emerge Arizona, we found that these documents evidence hand signing and hand printing that belongs to Brittany and Ordana. <coughs> if one were to guess, and this is just a guess on our part, Emerge Arizona seems to have been formed as a medium to attract women interested in politics and bribe them through the proper scheme to adopt positions of power and to further the goals and objectives of the cartel. Most of these deeds have been fraudulently notarized, meaning that one or multiple parties' names in the transaction are either not present or do not exist at all. In some, if not all cases, it's evident by page 65 in your packet, Ms. Hobbs and Mr. Goodman's signatures are clearly inconsistent indicating that the majority of the, the deeds were created by a different individual who are attempting to copy Hobbs and Goodman's signatures, particularly on the deeds where the notarizations have been found to be fake. We then researched the title companies and the mortgage companies on these deeds of trust. Some of these do not or have never existed. Some do not even exist in Arizona. 
what can we conclude by these discoveries? Purpose of having a fake deed of trust is to move cash without it being traceable. A phony mortgage company provides a phony mortgage as the one primary method by which cash is moved invisibly. There are basically only three reasons to create a fake deed of trust. If the buyer does not exist, then the mortgage serves as a means of laundering the money. If the buyer does exist, then the mortgage is used to, to provide the owner of the deed money that is untraceable. And when the person resides in the location of the deed, then that's even more, more further proof that money is being provided that is untraceable. Since at least 2004, ballot counts have been tampered with. Our county's current computer database, which was built between 2014 and 15, has been and continues to be infiltrated and hacked. Its architects specifically designed the system with multiple backdoor entry points. These points permit the uploading of falsified documents and the removal of genuine documents from the county system. We have seen Brittany access the, the database and have an eyewitness to, to testify for that. Over the past 15 years, Brittany has used her access to load falsified judgments and so on. Beginning in 2017, the access points have been used to change vote to totals and thereon election results. Illegal transfers have been made and provided to Runback and Jeff Ellison. The phony deeds used in the scheme to move money to candidates are created by Brittany. For-profit and non-profit PACs are also created by Brittany and used to move money for candidates. She said one of the ways to move money is to set up political action committees, PACs. Now, if you watched the hearing with Katie Hobbs, you saw Stephen Richter put on the witness stand, cross-examined and said, you have had a pact funded specifically to attack Carrie Lake. And Stephen Richter said, no, I have not started a pact. I have not done such a thing. Now there's a problem. It's all over the press. In fact, if you look at this particular article from the Arizona Mirror and Jeremy Duda, the dud, this is a Soros paper. They were bragging on Stephen Richter creates a pact to back pro-democracy Republicans. Isn't it funny that one of the way they funnel money and millions went into this one. One of the ways they funnel money is through PACs, and he's the very first Board of Supervisor anywhere, county recorder, to have his own PAC. How interesting is that? During the 22 election, ballot scanners, printers at 70, at 70 precincts suffered ch changes to their printer settings, despite being tested the night before the election. The changes in those settings were made through computer infiltration, not manually or by some never-before-seen error. The uncontrollable ballots were placed in box three and allegedly driven to run back. Witness information provided on October 2020, 2020 confirms that more than 100,000 filled-in ballots and more than $13 million 
were identified by some of our investigators in two unmarked rental cars. These vans were loaded with the ballots and cash at a private residence in Mesa and driven to Runbeck's office. The Runbeck company, <clears throat> as you know, is operated by Robert Runbeck. We have found deeds for Runbeck <clears throat> and Ellison. Please understand that during this time, the perpetrators knew that this would be discovered, knew that many of us were onto them, knew that new tools and techniques were coming to bear, knew that the people wouldn't stand to this. So when you hear that the vans were identified and that money was there, I want you to know you're not only listening to expert testimony, you're listening to uh, people involved documenting what they did and turning evidence in exchange for being put in the witness protection program. of an improbable thank you, outcome with respect to the November 2020 election. Let's look at Andre Fontes and Stephen Riker for the Maricopa County Recorder. Riker's run was just statistically impossible. To win... Are, are you referring to Stephen Richer? Richer, sorry. <clears throat> My apologies. Um, Fontes is a Democrat and was the incumbent. Percentages for Biden, Biden, Cinema, and Kelly ran up, ran up at approximately a 2.5% margin in the county against all their, their against their opponents. Richer won by approximately 6,000 votes. This means that 50,000 individuals who voted for the Democratic ticket across the board had to choose the Republican candidate for recorder against an incumbent who never suffered a scandal. Never happened. This was a planned loss. Hobbs would receive the Democratic nomination for governor and Fontes would run for Secretary of State to replace Hobbs. <clears throat> the strategy appeared to have been planned. I have shown you that both Hobbs and Fontes have Brit what we call Britney deeds, evidencing a strong likelihood that they are bribed recipients. Now, <clears throat> it may seem obvious, but I do feel that it's necessary to explain nonetheless. Given that Arizona is a border state and that drug smuggling and human trafficking is a billion dollar business, it would appear that having our elected and appointed officials ensure that the cartel enterprise remain open for business would be paramount. The cartel invests substantially to ensure that the right people are in key positions so as to further their objectives. The fix for 2020 and for 2022 started in 2017 with appointment to election positions of individuals being bribed through the mortgage scheme and through monies being laundered by the appointment of phantom individuals. The problems with these documents are many. <clears throat> if you look at your pages 71 and 76, the recorded appointments from Fontes, which were notarized by a Jessica York, first, the handwriting and handprinting of Jessica York have been identified as belonging to Brittany by our forensic, account, uh, forensic document expert. 
Secondly, the York signatures are the same handwriting, but not the same style. And that change of style exists even when the documents were allegedly signed on the same day. You can see the June 4th documents. The December 9th date and the clerk handwriting matches Donna. The signature of the clerk at the bottom is actually a tracing of a signature stamp. The time between the signature and the notarization and alleged ex execution of the clerk and thereafter the recorded date <coughs> evidence forgery. Normally it's a two to three turnaround time. These took multiple months and all were allegedly clerk ex executed and recorded after the election certification. In addition to state representatives, there are three of the five Maricopa County supervisors have also recorded documents evidencing the acceptance of bribes. Further, we've investigated PACs relating to state office holders and dark money transactions relating to said PACs. From late 2018 to 22, a significant number of questionable real estate transactions were facilitated by several law firms, including partners at per Perkins Quay. Mr. Thaler would be here himself presenting this information, but there have been multiple attempts on his life. Thaler was driving from Arizona to California when suddenly he lost control of his vehicle. Upon investigation, it was discovered that his tire was purposefully slashed by a straight edge knife about four to six inches. The cut was made at such a location on the outer side of the tire where the tire would not lose air but instead would degrade to a point causing catastrophic failure, most likely at high speed. Again, declaration is included in your packet. The, declaration, uh, the reason I mention this, and the only reason I mention this, is because a similar attempt was made on the life of Carrie Lake's daughter during her campaign. To date, six attempts have been made on Thaler's life. In Arizona, public officials accepting bribes include members of the legislature, the executive branches of the state government, more than two dozen judges on the Maricopa County Superior Court, at least two judges in the city of Mesa Court, at least one judge in the town of Gilbert, the mayor of Mesa, five members of Mesa City Council, several police Madam officers. Madam Chair, point of order. This is not the appropriate place to be, to be alleging um, Now, this is very telling. Ken Bennett, who was in politics before in Arizona, begged, begged Karen Fan to become part of the 2020 forensic audit. Ken Bennett was the source of all the leaks that escaped from the floor. And it was Ken Bennett, working with Randy Pullen, who were letting the left-wing attack writers into the facility to write hit pieces or try to find things wrong. Ken Bennett and Pullen himself controlled the counting of the documents of the ballots offsite. There are in excess of 90,000 ballots that do not exist in Maricopa for 2020, but it was Ken Bennett, this guy that just, he got reelected to office. He had lost but somehow found an extra 200 some odd ballots that put him in office this time. 
And there he sits as an elected official again. But we've never been able to confirm the number of ballots from the books where it was hand counted in the machines because they've never relinquished them. In fact, they hid them away. I find it very interesting that Mr. Bennett is visibly shaken. He's in crisis over this. It was discovered that his tire was purposefully slashed by a straight edge knife, about four to six inches. The cut was made at such a location on the outer side of the tire where the tire would not lose air but instead would degrade to a point causing catastrophic failure, most likely at high speed. Again, declaration is included in your packet. The, declaration, uh, the reason I mention this and the only reason I mention this is because a similar attempt was made on the life of Carrie Lake's daughter during her campaign. To date, six attempts have been made on Thaler's life. In Arizona, public officials accepting bribes include members of the legislature, the executive branches of the state government, more than two dozen judges on the Maricopa County Superior Court, at least two judges in the city of Mesa Court, at least one judge in the town of Gilbert, the mayor of Mesa, five members of Mesa City Council, several police officers. Madam Chair, point of order. This is not the appropriate place to be, to be alleging um, We, we, we do have a rule in this chamber that we cannot impugn the motives of other members, uh, as, as explosive as that testimony was. Um, but that The Arizona rule is you can't call it out in chamber unless they've called the meeting specifically for that. That tells you a lot about how this is handled in Arizona. I'm going to hop over to locals for just a little short debrief with people on locals. I will be doing several of these. It will all be breaking them down just like you've seen here to tie it all back together. This was just following the six P's, the paper, the people, the process by precinct and the politicians and policies that make these things go. And it's when you look at those six P's, you get the final P, which is the seventh, which is proof. And we did not even have to mention the machines because if you don't clean this up, we will never, ever see a fair election again in the United States of America. Folks, this is a big deal. I'll see you over at Locals. Most people are afraid to stand up and speak out, but not you. You've been learning how to tell the system to cut the crap. What can I do to help save the America I love? And the answer is, learn how to fight back and tell the system to cut the crap. Cut the crap's not just a radio program, it's a movement. The right kind of movement, which breaks free the conservative constipation and reminds you that you are the majority. And we're just not going to take it anymore. Make sure you're following Joe Bon Hunt and Pulitzer on all social media. See you next week, and between now and then, take a stand and tell them all to cut the crap. Hey there, think of all those people who mocked you for being a conspiracy theorist. Are you ready to become the smartest patriot in the room? 
Well, now's your chance to join me on Local. It's exclusive. It's a free trial membership where you can use to determine if my work, my insight, my content, and what I do to educate you to fight this fight for our country is worth it. And this is a whopping $4.16 decision since that's what the membership is with an annual subscription. Now, you have to decide if $4.16 a month is worth becoming the smartest patriot in the room. So are you willing to spend $4.16 to gain the knowledge and insight it takes to make sure your country and our way of life survives? Is $4.16 